The IPS Academy provides online courses from some of the best instructors out there on mental health, personal development, lifestyle, nutrition, relationships, mindfulness, improving your life quality, etc. Each course we offer has been made in collaboration with an instructor who has also been a guest here on the Inner Picture Stories podcast. Have a look to see if there's a course to your liking, read the full course descriptions and check out the thousands of positive reviews from students who have taken the course by going to innerpicturestories.com academy. With that, let's dig into the interview. Welcome to the Inner Picture Stories podcast. My name is Jelis Vaas, your host and the founder of Inner Picture Stories, the educational platform on life. I hereby invite you to come on a journey with me. In each episode, we will dive into the life of an inspiring person seeking lessons of wisdom about life and the world we live in. Answers that you can take away and use in your own life. It's true that no one ever said life would be easy, but it's also true that no one ever said you had to do it alone. So get ready and let the journey begin. There is hope. There's a lot of hope that you will get better. Most people do get better. They improve. Are you, are you going to forget what happened? Probably not, but you're going to be able to manage and deal with it in a much healthier way. There's a saying in the trauma field, the, the trauma, it's what's happened to you. Right? It's not you, it's what's happened to you. It's this thing that's happened to you that is what's caused this. There's, I think, value in that because it, it allows you to separate yourself from the, you know, the, the experience. This is episode 019 with Dr. Guy McPherson. A warm welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Inner Picture Stories podcast. This interview was such an interesting one to do. The topic that is being covered in this episode is psychological trauma. Such a multi-layered topic with so many complexities and fascinations to it. In my search to find a suitable person for this interview, I came across Guy McPherson, PhD, a doctorate in clinical psychology, founder of the Trauma Therapist Project, which is a platform where a guy provides resources and a community for clinicians and therapists of all kinds who are starting out on their trauma-informed journey. And he is also the host of the Trauma Therapist Podcast, where a guy talks with world-renowned thought leaders about trauma and various other health professionals. There really isn't a better person for this interview than Guy to provide a strong base understanding of trauma, ways to start the healing process, and how to be supportive to someone who is suffering from a trauma. Now, while many of the questions you might have about trauma will be answered in this interview, as I state, trauma is complicated. Each answer to one question might lead to another question. Therefore, I highly recommend you check out the Trauma Therapist podcast, where, as I've said, Guy talks with world-renowned thought leaders about trauma and various other health professionals. Many other questions you might have around trauma will certainly be touched upon and answered there. It's startling to know how many people walk around with an unhealed trauma or even traumas from their past. 
Or as Guy points out in the interview, many people walk around not even realizing they have been traumatized in their pasts and are suffering from it. I sincerely hope this interview will provide you with many answers. Guy provides some great advice and practical takeaways. Do as well check out the show notes which are in the description of this episode or can be found by going directly to innerpicturestories.com slash podcast and search for Guy. There you will find all the resources, book recommendations and people that are being talked about all linked up for you. As well, you may find some additional helpful information in the show notes on trauma. Now, with all that, please enjoy this most fascinating conversation with Dr. Guy McPherson about psychological trauma. Guy, a warm welcome here to the show, and uh, thank yeah. you for, for taking the time. I truly appreciate it. Oh man, thanks so much for having me on. I'm uh, really excited to uh, talk to you. You... You struck me as a yeah as an incredible guest to have here on the podcast to talk about trauma because of various reasons. Your education as a clinical psychologist, your personal experience with trauma, which uh, we will touch upon uh, soon, and of course the work uh, you're doing with the Trauma Therapist Project, where you help educate other trauma workers and provide a community to them, and of course the podcast you have, the Trauma Therapist Podcast, where you have <laughs> interviewed over more than plus 350 health professionals and leading figures in trauma to provide information and spread awareness of trauma. And plus 350 guests. Uh, that's, by the way, an incredible number of guests you've had on your podcasts. How, how has this experience been for you to talk yeah, to so many interesting people over the years? Yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Just want to make one clarification. Um, I'm not a clinical psychologist. I have a, a PhD in clinical psychology. So I have a doctorate in clinical psychology, um, but I'm not a licensed therapist. I was doing therapy under a licensed uh, clinician for a period of time, but just want to make that clarification. Um, but yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, as you know, Yellis, interviewing people, it, it's uh, really informative. It's really inspiring. And if you love what you're doing, like like I do, and I'm, I, I'm sure you do too, mm -hmm. it just keeps you uh, going. It's like this hand reaches into your gut and, and shakes you and inspires you. I get inspired, you know, when I, when I talk to my guests, um, I just get so fired up because really I, I, yes, my, my podcast is about trauma, but really on the podcast, I kind of reach my hands in to the, to the, the hearts of my guests and find out, you know, how the hell did they get into this field? And that just ignites, uh, ignites me. So in short, I, I just get fired up. Yeah, I totally get it. When, <laughs> when did you actually start with the podcast? I started about, uh, I think three and a half years ago or so. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, why I started it is, is, is a whole other thing we can get into if you want, but, um, just to answer your question about three and a half years ago. Cool. So trauma is, it's a fascinating topic and fascinating in how complex it is, but as well in how many people walk around with an unhealed trauma from their past. And the more I researched about trauma for this interview, the more and more questions I came to have. There is honestly so much to this topic. 
Now, for the sake of the length of this episode and, and to not keep you here the whole day, I want to focus <laughs> specifically in this episode on providing a general understanding of trauma and ways for listeners to start uh, the healing process. So I like to start this interview off with maybe some rather basic sounding questions about trauma. However, these questions will come to set a base understanding for everyone and before we move deeper then. So first of all, what is trauma? How would you define and explain to someone what trauma is? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and let me just jump back to what you said before I answer this question. You you said there are a lot of people walking around with unhealed trauma, and that is certainly true. But alongside that, there are a lot of people walking around with unrecognized trauma, right? They don't even know they've been traumatized in the first place. So, which kind of segues into a definition of trauma, and this can be defined a lot of different ways. I mean, a lot of people think of trauma as being, you know, like synonymous with war trauma or combat trauma, uh, specifically uh, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Like, you know, they they someone's been in combat and they step on an an IED or a bomb and and they they come back with with post traumatic stress disorder and flashbacks and and numbing and so forth and certainly that is trauma, but um, uh, when you talk about trauma can also be defined as really it's defined as something that uh, disrupts or completely dysregulates one's ner- nervous system, and and therefore. It just kind of sets them on high alert all the time or completely numbs them out or depresses them. It, it's something that dysregulates our nervous system to the degree that we can no longer function in a healthy or or normal way. Um, I'll use myself as an, as an example. You know, when I was really young, I was bullied. Um, and that situation, Yellis, just like – completely shifted the trajectory of how I was in relationships, um, my self-esteem, my self-confidence, what I thought about myself. And oftentimes, a lot of people don't think of that as uh, something that could be traumatizing. Granted, you know, it's, it wouldn't, it's not going to be traumatizing for everybody. That's another thing here that's, I think, really important to point out is just because something – you don't think something's traumatizing for someone, right? Someone else is going to be – might be bullied and they might not be traumatized by it. But some other people might be. Some other people are going to go to war and they're going to have certain really intense experiences and they might not be traumatized by them. And that's the way it goes and there are reasons for that. But it's really important for people to understand that um, what can be traumatizing for one person might not be traumatizing for someone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, interpersonal trauma, there are different kind of categories of trauma. You know, we talked about like war trauma or PTSD that people get from uh, uh, war. Uh, there are traumas that come from, you know, experiencing earthquakes or car crashes or being in tornadoes and fires. And there's something called complex trauma or interpersonal trauma that comes from being abused, uh, from years, sometimes from years of abuse, right? From, from family members or friends or, uh, sexual trauma like rape. So there's, unfortunately, there's a crazy amount of the type of trauma out there. And, um, like you said in earlier on, a lot of times people are walking around 
not realizing that they've been traumatized, not recognizing the fact that when they were really young, they had a certain experience. Uh, maybe they were touched in a particular way that wasn't right, that they were violated. They might not realize that that has impacted how they're showing up in relationships now. So we all react to trauma in different ways, experiencing a wide range of uh, physical and emotional reactions. However, are there some clear symptoms you can say, guy, people may experience right after a traumatic event? Or to put this question maybe differently, how do you know that you've been traumatized by an event? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really good question. And I guess the first question would be, you know, has there been an event that could be traumatizing? <clears throat> so, you know, if you um, were in a car crash, you know, oftentimes people, there's something called post-traumatic stress disorder, which happens after like six months. But there's also something that happens directly after that event, which is called acute stress disorder. So for example, someone who's maybe in a car crash, um, the next day they might feel, uh, they might feel just on hyper alert or hyper vigilant. They might having, be having flashbacks. They might be feeling depressed or anxious. Things that kind of disrupt your, the normal day-to-day state, the normal day-to-day living are oftentimes a sign that you may have been traumatized. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, and I think this is really interesting, oftentimes when younger kids, you know, what, 15, 16, 12, you know, younger kids, their reaction to trauma oftentimes is depression. Mm. A depressed state. That's how it often shows up. It doesn't show up uh, like in these oftentimes classic symptoms of, um, you know, like hypervigilance or numbing that we, we oftentimes see with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So it's, it's, what's interesting here to get to the heart of your question here, it can show up differently for a lot of different people. But again, I think what's important to think about is, has there been an event that may or may not have been traumatizing? And B, has there been a shift in your behavior or the way you're feeling or the way you're interacting with people? That could be a sign of uh, having been traumatized. And you think, look at me, like I talked about being bullied when I was like uh, 12, 11, 12 or 13 years old. And now that shows up and, and can show up. I mean, to a lesser degree, it shows up now because I've been through a lot of therapy and I've, I've quote unquote dealt with it or danced with it, if you will, you know, it shows up how I, uh, am in relationships, what I do, what I don't do, what's important to me, um, how I, uh, respond and react to, to m my wife and even my kids. So the things I pay attention to and don't pay attention to, um, so yeah. You got me going, Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Good, keep going. It's all great things that you're actually saying. It, so, again, this might be a very simple sounding question, but what could be the long-term dangers when someone does not heal their trauma? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really important question. And, um, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it can be different, obviously, for a lot of different people, but an example, and it depends on what that trauma was. Let's take interpersonal trauma. If people don't show up or, or don't 
recognize that they have been impacted by trauma, oftentimes what happens is, um, again, the nervous system is dysregulated. What does that mean? That means that people can start to become uh, anxious when they shouldn't be, or they can, when, when it's not adaptive, when it's not helpful, they can be hypervigilant when, uh, again, it's not adaptive or helpful. They can start to feel uh, out of place. And oftentimes what happens is people start needing to regulate their nervous system. So what do they turn to? They turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol, they turn to any uh, sex, they turn to any number of things. And um, you talk to people in the field like uh, Gabor Mate, the, the, the physician who really specializes in uh, addiction, and he says that all addiction really at – the, at the heart, at the source of addiction, there's trauma. Mm. So oftentimes people become addicted to things to help themselves, to, to help themselves manage their feeling states or emotional states – that they might not know began with trauma. So, and then you talk about, you know, uh, it also can manifest itself in a series of unhealthy relationships um, where people need to uh, get the love they didn't get, right, from their parents. And they, they try to get this in, in many different ways. I mean, the, the answers here are, are endless. You talk about people who have been... Um, veterans of war who who have been traumatized, who have experienced post-traumatic stress disorder, maybe who don't recognize it, right? And they start to become depressed and they start to drink. They start to turn to drugs. They start to get into negative, uh, violent interactions with their family, with their kids. I mean, the, it, it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. And yeah, unhealed trauma is disastrous in the long run. It's, yeah. It always comes up again, and you can keep numbing it through alcohol and, and, and drugs and all that, but it will keep coming up if you don't heal it. One thing more that uh, I'd love you to clarify before we'll move uh, deeper here with trauma. Could you explain what the difference is between trauma and PTSD, so post-traumatic stress disorder? Because I think there's a bit of confusion and unclarity for many people uh, what the difference is. Yeah, and it depends who you talk to, too. I mean, post-traumatic stress disorder is something that, <clears throat> excuse me, is a diagnosis that is in the the DSM, the, the Psychiatric Manual of Disorders, uh, that is a reference guide. Now, this could be a whole other podcast episode, but there are those who feel that, you know, that's completely hogwash. I mean, and there are other people who feel like, well, it, it's useful. It's a helpful uh, compendium of diagnoses that people can go to for reference. Post-traumatic stress disorder is a, a diagnosis that has certain qualifications or, for example, um, a hypervigilance is a symptom of post-traumatic stress disorder. Numbing is a symptom. So there are certain symptoms that come from that. And if you look at the name post-traumatic stress disorder, so it's it's a diagnosis or a symptoms, a collection of symptoms that come directly after a uh, traumatic event. 
namely, let's say, for, or for example, a car crash or experiencing an earthquake or some kind of other, other natural or, or sexual assault or rape. Trauma is a broader term and, and it kind of helps to think of it in terms of being on a continuum. On the left end, you might have mild trauma and then the far end, all the way on the right, you might have post-traumatic stress disorder, for example. But within that continuum, there is a level of dysfunction uh, or dysregulation, rather, of the nervous system, of the body, of the uh, the neurobiology of a system, where, for example, if someone is involved, again, in interpersonal trauma uh, over the course of months or even years, what that does, and depending on how old that, that person is, let's say a younger kid, maybe even saying a younger kid who hasn't even reached puberty, right? What happens when someone experiences that type of, type of trauma, um, it completely dysregulates again their nervous system, their hormones, and, and sets them off on a course of uh, experiencing symptoms that they're not even ready for, that they, they can't even recognize. Um, so trauma falls in, in kind of those categories, if that makes sense. It does. It does. So with those uh, questions answered, I think we've set the, a good stage to delve a bit deeper now. I'd first like to move, if you don't mind, of course, Guy, to uh, your personal experience with trauma. Is, is that okay? Yeah, definitely. Let's let's do it, Yellis. Thank you for having me here and talking about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, in my research about you, I uh, read your brother, who is a Navy SEAL veteran, suffered from PTSD. What was it like back then to experience this, to, to see someone you love dearly and that you care about suffer from PTSD? Yeah, well, that was, that was an interesting story. I mean, when my brother came back, um, I didn't know that much about trauma. I mean, so what happened was he came back from his experiences and his, his, um, uh, I was going to say Iraq, but I don't, I don't know if it was Iraq specifically that he came back from, but when he got back, I was so excited to talk to him, Yellis, cause I had, we hadn't seen him for a long time sure. and I didn't, understand that, you know, when he didn't want to talk about stuff, I was like, I thought it was blowing me off. I, he was like, guy, you know, I just, I just don't want to talk. I, I thought it was ridiculous. What do you mean you don't want to talk about stuff? Right. I didn't get that. I was trying to push him too hard that he, it, it just was too difficult for him to talk about. He didn't want to talk about it. It wasn't something that someone should be pressured to talk about. And yet here I was not really knowing anything, certainly not as much as I do now about trauma and PTSD. Here I was pushing him for this. And then when I found out later on, when I went to school and so forth, I felt like, I mean, it was just, I felt so bad for myself. I mean, for him, and I felt ashamed of myself for trying to, you know, push him and pressure him into talking about this stuff. Um, but fortunately he, he got better. I mean, he worked through stuff and it definitely caused, cost him a marriage. Huh. Um, and yeah, he left a lot of, uh, destruction in his wake. And, um, but now, um, yeah, it's, it was intense. Sure. How has this experience actually changed and, and impacted you? It's given me 
Um, I mean, it was certainly uh, one of the things that inspired me to start what I'm doing, to start the Trauma Therapist Project, to start the podcast, to have a whole series of interviews, um, uh, you know, titled the Military Series, where I interview people who work specifically with veterans, uh, be they just civilians or um, uh, veterans turned therapists who now work with veterans. So, so it's really given me a, an interest and a, um, uh, a cause to, to highlight their work and to celebrate their work. Um, because it's crazy to me that here you have this whole segment of the population, veterans who come back from their experience and, who oftentimes, not all, but a, a chunk of them, right? A chunk of them are killing themselves. Hmm. And a chunk of them are uh, coming back with post-traumatic stress disorder. And they it, it's shameful to admit. It's shameful to talk about. Yeah. Being a professional trauma therapist and, and having interviewed more than plus 350 of people on your podcasts... What do you wish you knew back then that you know today that would have greatly come to help you, uh, to help your brother with his recovery and healing? So basically, what pieces of advice would you recommend to listeners to be of support to someone who has gone through something traumatic and is suffering from this? Yeah, that, that's a really good question too. I think for me, it, it would have been the realization that he needed to work through things on his own timeline, number one. Number two, not to pressure him yeah. into talking about his experiences. And uh, number three, to really know where to guide him to get some help. And just to be supportive, you know, to be supportive because it, it's it's really interesting with people who are veterans. I mean, they need to do their work, right, without what, let me rephrase that, what they need to do their work, what they do need to do their job, what they need to survive is very different than what they need to survive when they come back, right? So in other words, to admit that they might have PTSD is going to be could be helpful for them when they get back and if they do have PTSD, but it's, it's not really necessarily going to help them when they're there. And it's that type of understanding, you know, and I, I certainly didn't have that when my brother came back. Hmm. And possibly you, well, yeah, you probably experienced this first time with your brother, but often shame and trauma are strongly connected. How come trauma survivors often feel this deep sense of shame for his experience that happened to them. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, you know, the first thing that came to my mind is when you're talking, let's talk about interpersonal trauma, complex trauma, uh, people who are being abused. Oftentimes people feel young kids feel that they've done something to, uh, cause it. Right. So there's just a lot of shame in that. Okay. Oftentimes, that right. That they're at fault, that they somehow, you know, quote unquote led, led uh led on the 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 perpetrator oftentimes when people are uh young kids are sexually abused there's a, a uh kind of a, an almost a, like a natural excitement that comes along with that and people feel 
shamed in that. You know, that, that, that doesn't mean that you're, you want that sexual encounter to happen. Um, there's a lot of shame in that. I mean, when people are men or women, they're raped. Oftentimes there's shame in admitting that. Uh, there's, you know, I mean, this is crazy. You know, you have a whole segment of men who've been uh, raped. I mean, men don't want to admit that that's happened to them, right? I mean, nor do women, of course. Um, but there's, I mean, it's just shame is rampant. It's almost synonymous with with being traumatized. Uh, and look at veterans, right? There's a if you're a veteran, if you've been in combat and you've been traumatized, there's almost like a, a weakness in admitting you have PTSD. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's often uh, exactly like uh, feeling a certain weakness uh, that kind of creates that shame. Right. And even with myself, you know, being bullied, here I am, you know, an adult male talking about being bullied when I was younger. I mean, it took me a while to get over that, a while to be comfortable with even admitting that, you know. So it and that, of course, interferes with recognizing that it's happened in the first place and then getting help in the second place. How do you feel about that today, actually, to talk about being bullied back in the day? I mean, I, I feel, I feel okay talking about it. I mean, it still, you know, bothers me that it happened. I don't get as, um, triggered by it now than I used to get. It doesn't negatively impact me as much as it does, but I, I can certainly see, like I referred to before, how it, uh, really impacted different aspects of my life. Yeah. So something quite interesting that a lot of people might not know is that uh, stressful and traumatic events leave um, imprints in our bodies. Uh, and there's an incredible book titled The Body Keeps a Score by Bezel van der Kolk, who is a well-respected expert on trauma and, and someone you had as well on your podcast who uh, talks thoroughly about this in his book. Words alone are often not enough to heal trauma. Uh, the body is often the reason why people can't move past their trauma. And the following question that I have is more of a, a two-part question. Uh, so first of all, how come trauma remains stuck in so many people, their bodies? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, trauma impacts... Peter Levine is another uh, kind of prominent researcher and, and therapist. And his initial work was looking at how animals... Uh, dealt with their trauma. Uh, and what he found out that what he found out was uh, oftentimes when animals get into a fight or uh, they become traumatized, what they do is either they uh, kind of submit, they lay there or they kind of just like run off, they run away. They're, they're able to just get that, that energy, that, that adrenaline, those hormones that just raise up. They're able to get that expel that out of their body. We as, as human beings don't necessarily do that. Mm. Uh, oftentimes we, we freeze, we submit that trauma that completely, again, dysregulates our nervous system. The hormones in our body just raise up. That is stored in our muscles. That is stored in our brain in such a way that we 
associate a certain event with a certain feeling. And that's what happens when people uh, become triggered. That's what happens when, for example, veterans, when they come back and they hear a, a car backfire or it's the 4th of July here in the United States and they hear firecrackers mm-hmm. and they are immediately, they go back, they have a flashback. That event, that sound is has been associated, has been blended and melded with that particular feeling state in their body and it sends them right back. And that's why oftentimes words aren't just enough to to help someone heal uh, through trauma. It has to be uh, working through uh, and becoming acquainted with the, the, the varying states, the uncomfortable states of the body and understanding that it, they're no longer in danger. They're no longer a threat and moving through that. Mm-hmm. And so secondly, uh, on that, how, how do you detoxify the body from trauma? Like what, what are ways to release this stress out of your body in a healthy way? I think, I mean, again, it, it depends what the trauma is, what the stress is. Um, if someone is, first of all, working with a therapist who is experienced in Trauma is is going to be paramount, and not all therapists are. So, if someone out there is listening to this and they've they've been traumatized, uh, finding someone who really is specializes in this type of treatment is going to be helpful. And what basically what they're that person is going to do is to first and foremost establish a an environment of of safety, an environment of trust. Right. Um, and uh, anyone who is kind of worth their weight in salt is not going to in, uh, make you or even invite you to talk about your trauma right off the bat. Rather, they're going to let you work through that at your own pace. And what that means is, first and foremost, resourcing yourself. In other words, where are your strengths? Uh, being aware of the strengths that you have so that as you move through this, as you, uh, as your body moves through this trauma experience again, to understand that you do have strengths. Uh, so it's a slow process of becoming acquainted with the traumatic experiences in your body and understanding that even though they're happening now, you're in a safe spot, you're in a safe place and understanding how to manage that. And that's done in a way that uh, is a very slow process. And there are different, and again, there are different ways to do this too. There, there's somatic therapy, there's EMDR, uh, eye, eye movement desensitization, reprocessing, which is a, a way of working uh, with the brain. And that's also been slowly uh, integrated in in uh, with with veterans and so forth. There are a lot of ways to do this. And another thing that the therapist is going to do is find out what's the best way for you. Right. Yes. What other pieces of advice would you give to those who have gone through uh, a traumatic event in the past and and are trying to take steps to heal these wounds? What actions, steps, practices, or exercises could you recommend to them? to start uh, the healing process of their uh, trauma? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good question too. And I think one, one of the most important thing is is to realize that 
there is hope. There's a lot of hope that you will get better. Most people do get better. They improve. Are you going to forget what happened? Probably not, but you're going to be able to manage and deal with it in a much healthier way. And that's the important thing, right? Not to be kind of thrown out of your your quote unquote normal or healthy state of being such that you have to turn to alcohol or drugs or sex or whatever, but to be able to manage it and to be able to recognize it. And I think that's one of the most important things. A lot of people feel that, you know, they've been traumatized, they don't know what the hell is going on, and there's no hope. They're they're never gonna get better. This takes time for people. But to find um Again, find a therapist who specializes in this. Find groups of people. You know, online there are a lot of resources uh, for 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 people who've been traumatized, for survivors, for veterans who've experienced trauma. Um, and I think that's a, a really important piece. I mean, that's so important that there is hope, and it it's not. There's a saying in. Uh, the the trauma field that it's not, um, you know, the the trauma. It's what's happened to you, right? It's not you. It's what's happened to you. It's this thing that's happened to you that is is what's caused this. And there there's, I think, value in that because it, it allows you to separate yourself from the you know the the experience. Yeah. So. Like with your personal experience then, then of being, uh, you know, bullied in the past, how did you know when you were starting to heal this trauma that you were actually healing the roots of it? Yeah, you know, that's a good question too. I, I knew it when I would think about it and I didn't get as like pissed off. Mm, okay. Uh, when I de- because I would get pissed off, I would get angry, I would feel it in my body. Uh, so something would trigger I, uh, that feeling. Yeah, yeah. And just for an example, when I was working, you know, before I went full time with the Trauma Therapist Project and the podcast, I was working in a clinic for five years. I was working with kids who were showing early signs of psychosis. And I was fresh out of graduate school. I was working in this clinic. And when I would sit down with kids and kids who'd been bullied, right, I became uh, – something shifted in me. Um, I became – that became really important for me. That topic became important to me. And the problem there, Yellis, is that it became important to me. It wasn't necessarily important to them, right? That, and, and that's where you've got to be really careful. And that's where this whole topic of inner work comes in for, for the therapists and clinicians out there. You've got to do your own inner work. So to answer your question in a different way, I knew I became very conscious of that. And, and the more conscious I became of that, the more I realized that I was healing from that. I was healing that that trauma. So it's often hard to uh, yeah, to start this recovery journey all by yourself. Uh, it's therefore also that one of the best ways to start the healing process is uh, through the help of a trained professional. Guy, do you have any, you know, from all your experiences of working with trauma and all the health professionals you've interviewed, 
do you have any pieces of advice for listeners on how to find a good therapist and what to pay attention to, to know that you're going to the right therapist? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, so much of this Yellis is, it's a process, you know, oftentimes people get really discouraged because they go to a therapist and it doesn't work out. It just doesn't work out, but you can't give up. You've got to, it's a fit. You've got to find that person who fits with you and you will, but don't stop. Number one, number two, trust your gut. If you don't feel it, if you, it doesn't click, don't, continue. There's no shame in that. There's no harm in that. Um, find someone who is, again, is experienced, who specializes in, in trauma, who's had education uh, in trauma and in your particular uh, experience with trauma. Uh, if, you're, if you're a veteran and you've been to war and you've been to combat and you have PTSD, find someone who's uh, worked in, in that particular field. Um, but, but don't give up, you know, it's not that all therapists suck. It's that you have to find the therapist who's going to work with you and for you and is going to be a good fit. It's like, it's unlike a relationship, you right? You, you've got to find that person that's going to be a good fit for you. Right. You've got to date a little bit around before knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you might find that you right off the bat, you might find that person. Sure. Right. But there is someone out there who wants to work with you because, look, the people who are in this field are dedicated. You know, trauma sucks. It does. And and the people who are working in this field are really dedicated to uh helping and walking alongside people who've been impacted by trauma along that healing journey. And you just got to find that person. You will find that person. So trust your gut. You said that's uh, definitely important. Is huge, there, huge. Is there anything more on that? Like of, of what to pay attention to, to just be aware that you're maybe not, uh, yeah, that you're not in front of the right therapist. Yeah. I think, you know, if it doesn't feel right, don't, move forward with it. Don't, don't go back just because you think, Oh, I've got to see a therapist. Let me go back. No, find someone that just clicks with you. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's all I can say, you know, but honor that and honor that because it's easy not to, um, it's easy to, to just get in your head and think, Oh, this person has this degree or they've done that and they've done that. And maybe there's something wrong with me. Just throw out, throw that all out the window. And, and it's, this is all about relationship. It's all about rapport. It's all about trust. And yes, a person has to have that experience, but, um, uh, honor what's going on for you. Yeah. And as you said, uh, it's about that you feel safe, right? Right. And you can trust mm-hmm. and you can, and you can try and you feel like you have a good rapport with that person. There's an interesting, interesting thing about safety in this field, uh, in this, in, in this topic, because safety oftentimes is, is a set, but it's oftentimes under the umbrella. It, it, it's kind of the umbrella under which a lot of trauma happens, mm. right? A lot of people think, a lot of kids think they've been, they're safe. Mm. Yeah. And yet they're, they're being traumatized. So safety is kind of a double-edged sword and trust is, is might be more important here. Right. Mm. 
So I just I just want to put that out there. This this is multifaceted topic, and it, it's hard to um, just have one word out there that that people can go with. So I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, that's a very helpful piece of advice, actually. Guy, I could literally keep throwing questions at you. So uh, I just have three more uh, remaining questions uh, before we will start to round up this interview. So uh, from your podcast, the Trauma Therapist Podcasts, and I know this might be a difficult question uh, or, you know, because there's so many episodes, but do you have a few good starting episodes or in general, any favorite episodes of yours that you could recommend listeners to check out? Yeah. Um, one of the ones that really inspired me was um, uh, an early one I did with Gerald Vest. He's no longer around. He passed away a couple of years ago, but he actually worked with veterans. I mean, and this guy just, you listen to him talk and he was just so passionate about helping these guys. And, and I say these guys, these, these men and women, and it just was like, blew me away. It was like so inspiring to me. Um, there's another one I did with, um, a psychologist by the name of Peter Bernstein, who's a guy who came, grew up in, in this hard environment and he never thought he was smart enough to, to get into college and let alone be a psychologist. And his story, uh, Yellis, he talks about his story and, and how he uh, moved through this journey of, of self-recognition and realization into the work he's doing now. Actually, ironically enough, helping veterans is so inspiring. Um, and I mean, I've done so many episodes with with people who, you know, you talked about Bessel van der Kolk. Yeah, he's world renowned, but I've done so many more with people who aren't well-known, but who are just so inspiring and they, they talking about their journey and what inspires them to do this work. Um, anyway, those are two really good starting points. One, another one I've done recently with, uh, Sarah Payton, um, is, uh, she talks a lot about, uh, the different ways we use language to understand trauma. You know, we talked about how language words aren't enough, but oftentimes words can be that entry point as well. Um, anyway, so those are those are a few that uh, I, I've really enjoyed. Awesome. So uh, for everyone listening, I will link that up in uh, the show notes. Uh, besides your own podcasts, are there any other resources as books, YouTube videos, websites, etc. you feel uh, yeah, listeners could greatly benefit from uh, to learn more about trauma? Um, to learn more about trauma, man, uh, there's you met, I think we talked about Peter Levine, his book, your the book you mentioned, um, the body keeps the score would probably be a phenomenal book to start with. Uh, it's kind of a a popular book, if you will, and a, and a really good one and an inspiring book. I think that would be probably the the perfect place to start there. Okay, great. So I'll also link that one up in the show notes. The last question that I have for you, Guy, do you feel that there is something big I still left out about trauma or was there any questions you'd hoped I asked but didn't ask that you still would like to touch upon or do you feel like we covered it pretty much? I think you hit it. You know, I think what I would like to reiterate, though, is that, you know, we, we kind of made a distinction between uh, people who 
are walking around with unhealed trauma and people who might not even recognize that they do have trauma. I just want to reiterate that if people feel that there's something off or uh, they feel that an experience kind of impacted them in a particular way. You know, I'm not saying it it is trauma, but it might have been. And if people feel like maybe they were traumatized, to maybe explore that a little more and and to not be ashamed or to feel ashamed and this, maybe to seek out help, number one. Number two is to know that there is hope, that people get better from who've experienced all types of trauma. People do get better. There you go. Great. Guy, with that last question, I all, I'd like to thank you for doing the work that you're doing with the Trauma Therapist Project. It's uh, incredible work that you're doing with it. And of course, for coming here on the show and uh, to provide this greater understanding uh, about trauma to everyone. So before we finish this interview, there's one final end question that I ask all my guests. But before I do that, what is the best place for people to check out your work and uh, to connect with you, Guy? Yep. Uh, the best place is the traumatherapistproject.com. Uh, my podcast is up there. My membership community is up there and my contact information is up there. So the traumatherapistproject.com. Awesome. So I'll link that up in the show notes for everyone. So uh, the final question, and uh, you can make it as long or as short as you want, but from everything that you have seen, experienced, lived and learned in your life, what is the one thing you know to be true? Oh, man, Yellis. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I know to be true is there is a world of strength, power, and beauty in trusting and believing in who we are. And that's not always easy. And it certainly hasn't been and isn't always easy for me. But to, you know, and in part, a large part, I think my life has been uh, a journey of uncovering that, you know, reaching in, you know, I talked about my reaching into my guest gut and, and like finding out who they are. For me, that's been my truth. That's been my journey. And, and to believe in that, because that is the beauty and we're all different. Right. But I think when we trust that, when we believe that, when we see people who are living the, the, their truth, their own beauty. We're, we're attracted to that. We're mesmerized by that. They're like these beams of light. And that to me has, has not always come easy, but that to me, I believe to be true. Mm, that's a beautiful way uh, to end this episode here. Guy, thank you again for your time. It's been yeah, an absolute pleasure to have you on. Our brother, thanks so much. And there we have it. That concludes yet another episode here on the Inner Picture Stories podcast. Do check out the show notes located in the description of this episode or by going directly to innerpicturestories.com slash podcast and search for Guy. There you can find all the resources, people and book recommendations that were mentioned in this episode by Guy, as well as additional helpful information on psychological trauma. Again, as I already stated at the beginning of this episode, I'd highly recommend you also check out the Trauma Therapist Project. If you'd like to learn even more about trauma, it's an incredible source of valid information from many professionals around the subject of trauma. If you're looking for any more answers, you will certainly find them there. 
With that, thank you for spending time here on the podcast with Guy and me. I wish you nothing but a pleasant day out there. I hope to see you on another episode, another journey here on the Inner Picture Stories podcast. This is your host, Yelis Faust, signing off.